0: It is a no-brainer to modern people that religion is a matter of conscience. That people should be able to worship what God they please, if they please, and should never be forced to do so, or never be forced to do otherwise. This was not obvious to most people throughout most of history. It's not obvious to most people in the world today. of my heart not be all else to me Save them Will you please join me for a word of prayer? Gracious and holy God, we, your people, have been gathered by your Spirit and called to come to this place to return to you, for you are gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Bless us as we receive now of your word and your sacrament that we may be strengthened in our Lenten disciplines and all the obediences of this life. And these things we ask through our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's a phrase that's been rather current on the internet these last few months um, and its factory setting this was a new one to me but uh, apparently it's big with the next group younger than me the millennial group um, the uh, the idea is that you have a, you come to life with a factory setting that factory setting has been set by your culture your family your time in history It shapes your view of the world, and most importantly of all, it shapes your assumptions about the way things are. It's the way we simply think things are. And if we don't have a historical perspective, we can fail to realize how much of what we think is just obvious wasn't obvious at all to people of another generation. Throughout most of human history, religion was not what it is today. It is a no-brainer to modern people that religion is a matter of conscience, that people should be able to worship what God they please, if they please, and should never be forced to do so or never be forced to do otherwise. This was not obvious. most people throughout most of history. It's not obvious to most people in the world today. Throughout most of human history, worship of God or the gods was an act of family obligation, of fealty to king and country, of making sure that your tribe, your group was blessed over and against another group with whom you were at war, or at least with whom you had a rivalry. And to fail to step forward and offer the obligatory sacrifices to the god or gods in question was an act of treason to family and country. This is the reason why so many Christians were killed in the early era of the church. In the Roman Empire, It was a simple act of patriotism to offer a pinch of incense for the health of the emperor who was considered a god living on earth. Christians refused to do this. Now, Jews had a religious exemption primarily because of that period that Protestants don't usually know about, the intertestamental period between Malachi and the coming of John the Baptist. But if you've read your apocryphal texts, you'll know about the the wars of the Maccabees. They'd had so much trouble with Jews, they finally gave them a religious exemption. The Christians didn't have that exemption. So if you wouldn't offer a pinch of incense and show that you worshipped the emperor like every good Roman did, You could be persecuted or rounded up and killed. Jesus, in our reading today, is taking worship, which is always a public act, a public testimony, a public laying down of your life and showing fealty to something greater to you, and He's adding another whole dimension to it, which is the personal dimension, the private dimension, He's pointing out that there is a danger inherent in worship which is only done pro forma. Done because the social pressures are too great not to do so. And he warns about being a hypocrite. A hypocrite is a word that uh, comes from Greek theater. And just the way, if you've ever done theater before, there's upstage and backstage and stage left and stage right. Hypocrite was a word used in theater that meant literally one who wears a mask. In the era before close-up photography, masks were important because they communicated the character or the emotions of the actor on stage. And Jesus warns us, don't wear a mask. Don't show off for the people here because your devotion to God is meant to be, as when he was asked later about which is the greatest commandment, heart and soul and mind and strength given to your God. Not simply conforming to social pressure or even worse, showing off for your neighbors. The modern idea that worship is and ought to be an act of conscience comes directly out of the Christian tradition. It's not even a secular idea that comes from the Enlightenment, although the Enlightenment took it in a slightly different direction. And you know this today by simply looking at those institutions and countries around the world that are most committed to secularism. They always are worried about religious people because religious people answer to a higher authority than the state. Now we have inherited that tradition and we come together on this night to commit ourselves in a Lenten journey of returning to God, to being more intentional and conscientious in that personal relationship with God that Jesus is calling us to in today's reading. At our Bible study yesterday, one of the ladies said, I understand that Lutherans didn't used to practice Ash Wednesday. When did that come back? So I did a little research, and I was right. It came back with the liturgical renewals of the mid-1800s. But um, Lutherans had given it up for a season because we didn't want it to be confused with works righteousness. Because we are going to commit ourselves to things during this season, like giving more generously or praying more earnestly or fasting or whatever it is. We do that as a discipline, not hoping to earn something with God, but rather to cut things out of our lives that maybe are distracting us from God. But as we come here and make that level of personal commitment tonight, we remember that it is by the grace of the God who is calling us to fast in Jesus Christ, calling us to tithe, calling us to pray, calling us to do what we do with integrity and not for the applause of people around us. We do that remembering his final words as he closes this section of scripture that we are not to store up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume but rather to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven where no moth and no rust consumes it's a strange thing to be called to preach on Ash Wednesday just two days after you've laid to rest the ashes of a beloved loved one. But as my wife and I depart t- tomorrow morning for Washington, D.C. to finish closing out her apartment and cleaning it up, it's never been more painfully evident to us that we cannot take the things with us that we treasure in this life. But the only thing we take with us is our relationship with God. And that is what we are called to attend to in this season. So all of us, each of us, in whatever way is God, God is calling to us personally, let us attend to that relationship in the weeks ahead, following Christ to the cross, but ultimately on to his victory in the resurrection. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord God, We know that we cannot take it with us, but so much of our lives is consumed with acquiring, saving, with accomplishing, or making friends with the right people. And too often our lives can become a show. But you know our hearts. You've called us in conscience to give ourselves to you to love you with all of our heart and mind and soul and spirit, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. In this season ahead, let us abandon everything which is not directly connected to those two commandments, that what we alone can take with us to heaven, our relationship with you, may become our ultimate treasure. And these things we ask in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, say that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. King, you sleeping, thy presence, my light.